Welcome to Rusk Insights on Rehabilitation Medicine, a top podcast featuring interviews with thought leaders in the field of PM&R from Rusk Rehabilitation at NYU Langone Medical Center and other prominent rehab medicine institutions. Your host for these interviews is Dr. Tom Elwood. He will take you behind the scenes to look at what is transpiring in the exciting world of rehabilitation research and clinical services through the eyes of those involved in making dynamic breakthroughs in healthcare. So listen, learn, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode in the Rusk Rehabilitation Podcast Series. Today's interview is one of many that will make it possible to learn about developments in the field of rehabilitation aimed at improving the lives of patients. I'm honored to have as today's guest, Dr. Brian M., who is the Medical Director for the NYU Rusk Brain Injury Rehabilitation Program and Program Director for the ACGME Accredited Brain Injury Medicine Fellowship at NYU School of Medicine. Dr. M., thank you for being here today. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Dr. M is heavily involved in program development in academic medicine. He has an active role in traumatic brain injury research with a focus on studying health disparities and differences that exist in traumatic brain injury care for different populations. In this interview, Dr. M will discuss some of the medical complexities associated with complex TBI. After completing medical school at State University of New York, Syracuse, a rehabilitation residency at NYU School of Medicine, Rusk Rehabilitation, and a fellowship in brain injury medicine at UMDNJ Johnson Rehabilitation Institute. His subsequent tenure at Bellevue Hospital focused upon an interest in improving brain injury rehabilitation for underserved populations. As a course director, you're involved in developing a day and one half course on October 2021. 2018 to highlight some of the latest evidence in complex TBI rehabilitation and to introduce patients to unique rehabilitation approaches used at Rusk. Please tell our listeners about this program and how they can obtain additional information. Yes, I'm very excited about our new course. It's going to be the first time we're offering this course, and we really wanted to highlight and present some of the things we do within our program, uh, both interventions as well as system approaches that are unique to the, this brain injury population, um, especially for their recovery course through the continuum of care, going both from patients who may have severe injury that start off in an acute inpatient rehabilitation setting and then go to an acute inpatient rehab hospital and then end up transitioning to outpatient rehab services, as well as patients who may just start in the outpatient world but then evolve and kind of go through our outpatient program. We really want to highlight all the different unique things that we do within all those aspects of our program, uh, whether it may be in the outpatient setting where we have certainly the traditional range recovery, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy interventions, including gait retraining, mobility retraining, ADL retraining, as well as swallow and cognitive communication retraining, but also highlighting some of the other things that may not be as well known. For instance, our occupational therapy program has a very good, um, well, I'd say excellent vision therapy program. And oftentimes there are visual dysfunction, visual deficits that occur after a brain injury. We also have a very strong concussion 
uh, rehabilitation program that includes a vestibular therapy program, both for our concussion patients, but also within our general brain injury population, we also have a vestibular therapy as well. So I think that's, we have a very, very, very good program and an excellent staff running that program as well. We also have a very strong neuropsychology department where I think many neuropsychologists will only do assessments, whereas our neuropsychological program does the assessment, but also uses those assessments to drive their cognitive retraining program, which I think not very many places do. Certainly, we're not the only ones, but I definitely think that it's something that's a strong part of our program. Again, not every program does that level of cognitive retraining. So we also want to highlight that from the outpatient side of things. On the acute inpatient side of things, we also... You know, not in addition to having just traditional kind of, again, physical therapy, occupation therapy, speech therapy, we incorporate, again, some of the vision therapy, vision therapy interventions and assessments. We incorporate a lot of balance training, a lot of more higher level individualized gait training. Certainly cognitive programming is a big part of all of our different disciplines. So we want to really highlight kind of from a brain injury perspective, how we try to not just provide what majority of places do for brain rehabilitation, but maybe take a little bit of a different approach, some more unique approaches. So we're excited to be able to offer that and present that. And for those who wanted more information about that, certainly they can contact our department within Rusk Rehabilitation. We'd be happy to send them more information. Is the audience primarily health professionals or will lay individuals also be included in this particular offering? Yeah, so the course is going to be mostly geared toward I believe, uh, health professionals. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide them an understanding of what we do for an acute inpatient rehab unit for our patients, as well as for their care as an outpatient afterwards. So uh, it tries to be all, all comprehensive in terms of addressing both the inpatient and the outpatient side of things. At the same time, we're trying to help them figure out how they can manage these deficits and provide the patient rehabilitation care in both aspects. So it really is geared toward the clinician in that sense. However, I think lay people can also benefit from, as I said, you know, even when we do rehabilitation for our patients, the family members support in their community is often a strong component of also that process. So definitely for lay people, I think they can gain some value out of the program as well. Now, but Russ, you've been involved in treating a great many patients over the years. Please inform our listeners about the paths that the patients take to reach you for treatment. For example, do they come by way of the emergency room at NYU Langone? Or could it be by referral by a primary care physician outside of the NYU system? Even self-referral after a head injury and the experiencing of symptoms or some different routes. Please tell our listeners how you end up seeing these individuals initially. On the inpatient side of things, most of our referrals come through the hospital, from acute care hospital, whether it's through our own system or even from outside institutions. Because to come into an acute inpatient rehab unit, oftentimes you had a severe enough injury where you needed to be hospitalized and managed there. There are some instances where we will have patients come in from home because they have specific needs or focuses that would be best met in an intensive inpatient rehab setting, or for some reason they're proved not to be safe enough to be able to be safely managed at home, yet they walk that fine line between not being safe at home, but being medically stable and not needing an acute hospitalization stay before they come to us. On rare occasions, that does happen, but majority of the time, they come through referrals through acute inpatient hospital stay. Having said that, we also do get very many referrals in the outpatient setting from patients hearing about Rust themselves and what we do here through you know, our website or through word of mouth or through their friends and other people in the community. Certainly physicians also who know of our program and who know what we do and have patients who need some of our services, they'll also refer to us. On the outpatient side of things, we definitely get a lot of referrals that way. 
Also, on the outpatient side of things, a lot of times we get transition of patients who were in an acute inpatient rehab unit or even a subacute rehab inpatient unit and have been discharged home, have been gone through the program, made gains, and are ready for discharge home. Those patients, oftentimes, we like to see them in follow-up in our outpatient setting as well because they often still need rehabilitation services in the outpatient settings. Still on the outpatient side, also get referrals from either acute hospital stays where they didn't need to go to acute rehab before they went home or even in acute inpatient rehab or subacute inpatient rehab facilities. Once treatment is initiated, what kinds of measures exist to determine recovery and at what stages are they used most effectively? So I don't think that's a question that can be easily answered in one way. We really do tailor our program to the patient's specific needs and impairments. So if we notice a patient is you know, having more difficulty with balance issues, and they just have some mild cognitive deficits, but the cognitive deficits aren't necessarily affecting their safety as much. We treat that patient very differently than another patient who has much more severe cognitive difficulties, either in addition to their physical deficits or cognitive deficits and not as much physical deficits. But we also have patients who have altered levels of consciousness, are in a vegetative state, mentally conscious state, and are much more severely brain injured. So you can see that all those different patient populations have very different needs and also different needs for assessment. So we do utilize many different types of measurement tools as well as interventions that are tailored to the patient's needs. And so I don't think there's going to be an easy answer in terms of saying that these are all the measurements that we use. There are vast amounts of measurements that we use. The more important thing is to recognize that we tailor it to the patient's needs. Thank you for that response. Along similar lines, during what periods of time, such as weeks or even months, do most rehabilitation efforts take place? And are ever there plateaus that are reached where further treatment may not necessarily be associated with additional improvements? Yes, unfortunately, uh, patients do plateau after a period of time, but it's really variable as to when that will happen. So there really is no set time that everybody plateaus. There are certainly averages and kind of windows up here where we think people, a majority of people are still making significant improvements and have the potential to make significant improvements, but there are always outliers to that. So it really is a spectrum as opposed to just specific timeline, but in general. And also having said that, there also is a difference in terms of the diagnosis and type of brain injury that you had that will change that window. What I mean by that is if you had a anoxic brain injury, Unfortunately, in those cases, the prognosis for recovery in general may be poorer than a patient who had a traumatic brain injury. And also patients with strokes, various types of strokes have different averages in terms of when you'd expect the most maximal amount of recovery. So diagnosis also affects that too. And then on top of that, not to complicate matters more, but every patient has a different mix of prognosticating factors. For instance, age can affect that. You know, usually the younger patients tend to have a more favorable recovery course. The number of comorbidities and medical complications you had certainly can both prolong the amount of time that you have deficits for, as well as also change the kind of the timeline of when you will start to recover, because if you're not medically stable, you're usually not recovering during that period of time. So all those things really affect the timeline of when somebody starts to recover, starts to show progress, and also when they unfortunately will plateau. Having said that, I do think that obviously earlier on, we do expect patients to have potential for recovery. So that's why we try to bring patients into an acute inpatient rehab setting after they had a devastating brain injury. We try to bring them into an acute inpatient rehab setting for a period of time to try to get them as much interventions in terms of therapies as well as medication management as possible to give them the best potential and chance to get a head start on their recovery course, so to speak. You just mentioned age as an important factor, and along with that would be some other 
demographic characteristics such as gender and racial ethnic background. As groups tend to be differentiated along such lines, do they tend to differ in how they express what it's like to experience a traumatic brain injury and to live with the aftermath of such an occurrence? They definitely do. I think that uh, culture, as well as age, as well as just your individual outlook and personality and family dynamic, they all play a part in how you view brain injury and also how you recover from brain injury in the sense that not so much as, you know, the changing the organic structure of the brain's recovery force, but just what you value, what you don't value, and how you interact with those around you. So, for instance, I think that if you come from a culture that is much more heavily focused on the family structure, everybody's really, the family's all really together versus another culture where people are much more independent, that will change how the support system responds to somebody who had a brain injury. And that does alter both what the patient values. So do they need more people around or do they do better when they're just on their own and more isolated versus if you have a patient who has that family support and really values that family support versus someone who comes from the same culture and still values that family support, but that family is not available, that'll also play a part into how that person is going to respond to the rehabilitation course and the program that we set forth. That should also change how we approach the patient. So for instance, if, again, going back to the family support model, the patients really value family support, they benefit from it, but we want to kind of recruit that much more for that patient versus for another patient that may not be as much of an important factor in their lives. The age, I think, changes a lot of things. If you're younger, there's a lot of different influences on you. Work, relationships, your leisure activities, what you want to get back to, all those things can be different depending on where you are in your stage of life. And so it's not just your brain's ability to heal and recover, but also what you have to get back to. Because one of the principles of rehabilitation is that you tailor it again to what the patient's goals are. And a lot of those goals are influenced by what the patient needs. Does the patient need to get back to work or are they retired, you know? Does the patient have specific needs for having to take care of their young children or do they live alone and have not have any of those pressures? So that can also change everything. And as I said before, brain injury affects the whole family dynamic. So that, again, is not just the culture of the patient, but the culture of the family, too. If the culture puts much more emphasis and stress on this person being really a, an integral part of their family, then that's going to change things for that patient as opposed to somebody who it's not as important. They can just kind of be you know, able to heal on their own. They don't have as many responsibilities within that family structure. So you can see how all those things will really completely change how we approach the patient as well as what they'll respond to and how effective the treatment will be for them. Again, it's going to be very individualized, and that's really the principle of rehabilitation in general, but certainly for brain injury rehabilitation, is to try to make it as individualized and tailored and relevant for the patient uh, as possible. Well, thank you for providing that comprehensive answer. As you well know, a lot of the clinical studies often leave out certain groups. They're not represented to the extent that they're represented in population numbers, and that would include the aged and oftentimes even women. So it's really important to understand this particular aspect of healthcare, and you are able to articulate what you've been able to learn by listening to these individuals and recognizing what they need as part of the whole healing process. Dr. M, I'll conclude part one of this interview by thanking you for sharing your insights with our listeners regarding the treatment of patients who've experienced a brain injury. A second part of this interview will be made available on a separate occasion, and our listeners are invited to access it also. Thank you again for joining us. You can learn more about Rusk at nyulangone.org slash Rusk. 
Also, be sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at Rusk Podcast.